Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. You know, we've had marketers on the show. Uh, we've had branding people on the show. We've had advisors on the show. Uh, we've had leadership people on the show. But one thing that we have not done is really having somebody come in to teach all of you in the short period of time how to make work awesome. I want you to think about that for a second. When you go into work, do you think it's awesome? It's, I mean, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But if you could plan it so that it could be more awesome, how freaking awesome would that be? Pam Ross, the founder of Blue Rebel Works, her mission is to make work awesome. Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. I am excited to share. And if we could solve the problem of work in half an hour, I mean, I don't know. I, that would be amazing. Well, <laughs> you know what? I'm not trying to oversell it, but we're going to try to cover some serious ground here. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, you know, when we were talking before, uh, we were talking a little bit about, about the aspect of culture with leadership. But, but no matter the size of the organization, you firmly believe that culture is something that should be worked on, not just initially, but continuously. One, why are you so passionate about this? And then two, where does somebody even begin? Oh, yeah. Okay. So why am I so passionate about this? In a, a few, like, I'll tell this as quickly as I can, but my first job work was awesome. So I was fresh out of university. I worked for a restaurant company that was growing quickly and I got promoted to their quote unquote training team, which meant that I was traveling across the country and actually into the States as well. I'm in Canada and I was opening restaurants. And at 22, I became the leader of this opening team. I had a ton of autonomy over how we would get this restaurant up and ready and everyone trained and ready to serve our guests. A ton of accountability, budget of you know millions of dollars and tons of collaboration with anyone from the franchise department, legal department, construction, our operations, everything. And we would go and be on site for weeks at a time, sometimes months at a time, training staff, preparing the restaurant and opening these, these restaurants. We had a ton of fun and we got great work done. And I truly, like that was my first full-time job out of university. And I thought work is so awesome. Like I am so excited that I don't have to go back to school and do all of those things because this work world that I am in is the best thing. Fast forward a couple of years, and I realized quickly that work was not so awesome in most organizations. So I came across people kind of just my, uh, biding their time until five o'clock when they could go home. I worked in organizations where people were almost literally, you could almost see these badges of honor all over their clothing that said things like, 
I'm working so hard, I can't take a weekend off, or I missed my son's piano recital because I'm so busy. And this focus on time at work, people not feeling like there's purpose or meaning in their work, and ultimately work being soul sucking. And we're going to spend about 90,000 hours of our lives working. And I just refuse to agree that that can be a terrible part of my life. I think we need to challenge how we think about work and think and create workplaces that add value to people's lives so that they feel like they're contributing, where people can take personal responsibility like I did at 22. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't an MBA student or anything like that. I was a 22-year-old psychology graduate who had only been a waitress and I was opening up multi-million dollar restaurants because they I knew what I needed to do. I knew what the purpose of my job was. I knew how to get it done and I was let alone to do it. And that makes work awesome. In financial services, which is the mm-hmm. where we live, work's not awesome for a lot of people. In, in fact, in a team meeting we had yesterday, we were talking about one one person that we know within the industry, not a client of ours, who has burned through eight people since we have had interactions with them. Eight people. She's got a team of three people. Now, and, and you go to conferences, Pam, and they're, oh my God. They, yeah. I mean, they have flags on the bottom of their, their name tag that says all of the things that you're basically saying. How do we interrupt <laughs> this old school thinking that you want to work yourself to death? Yeah. So a few things are coming to mind, especially for the financial services industry. You have the opportunity to help people live better, better lives by helping them and supporting them with how they are dealing with their finances. And chances are you didn't get into the industry because you wanted to work yourself to death. There was probably an origin story that was before that. So I would love for people when they're feeling that to go back to the origin story of why did I get in this business in the first place? What is the purpose of what I do? And then start looking at your behaviors and are they helping you to do that or are they actually hurting you? The other thing, I mean, we're here, we're going to talk about culture, but a lot of what we do is also leadership and leadership starts with leading yourself. If you are running yourself ragged, you don't have anything left in your cup to fill your team, to fill your clients, and you are not going to give your clients the best service. Really thinking about what you're doing for yourself and how that's setting the example for your team is important. The other thing I just want to mention is there is a law called Parkinson's law, and it says that work expands to fill the time allotted. So just think about that. If I know that I have eight hours in the day to finish that that one thing on my to-do list, somehow that thing takes eight hours. If I just know I have one thing to do, and then it doesn't matter about my time, I might finish that thing and have a great life after it. What we have gotten used to in the world of work is managing work by time. So we think that you have to put in your time and we reward people for how much time they put in. That's what we focus on so much. And that is a false way of thinking of productivity. 
you could, if you think about times when like maybe you were going on vacation and you on that Friday before vacation, it's amazing how much work you can get done because you know, you don't want to be checking email all week. So if you are, if we don't set the standard that you have to put in your time and just tell, give people the result they need to get, that completely changes the way I think about my work. And if I have the autonomy to get the work done in the best way and the most effective way for my clients and, and achieve your results, then we take away the time and that can free up people to A, feel better because we all want more control of our lives and B, get more stuff done because we're not focusing on the visibility or the kind of what it looks like to work so many hours. I love that you said, you know, and we're going to be transitioning this to culture. And, and I think that was such a wonderful foundation because does culture start from the leader of the organization? Is that how it gets assimilated or help me understand that? It, does, uh -huh. it, does it have to be that person who's wearing that badge of honor, who's probably going to die at their desk and who really wants to make sure that you're there at eight o'clock, because if you're there at eight oh five, you just personally did something to wrong that person. And by the way, I get it. I have my own business. It's hard not to take stuff personally, like that, your example of showing up a few minutes late. You feel like these people are not taking their work as seriously as you are. Guess what? They're never going to. It's your business. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, culture. So first of all, what is culture? And there's lots of thoughts about culture out in the world. And a lot of people think of it as this fluffy thing, but I would define culture as the pattern of behaviors on your team or in your organization. And ultimately, so it's how people think, act, how they serve your customers, why they make decisions, and it gets you your results. So that's what your culture is. It is the behaviors of people that gets you your results. Now, as the founder or leader of your company, every action you take is causing people to go, oh, that's what's important here. That's what's expected of me. That's what gets rewarded. The thing is, they don't see the intentions or the motivations or why you're making the decisions that are under the surface. All they see is what you do, what you say and what you do. So you may be making a decision based on some fundamental purpose or something that's deep, but they only see what you did. So they are, as a leader, I have to explain why I'm making decisions. I have to share and be really transparent about the purpose and the goals of the company and who our ideal client is and all of that stuff, because otherwise my people are not going to make the right decisions because they're only seeing my reactions or actions. Okay. Wow, man, you just opened a huge can of worms that I need to try to figure out where I want to go with that. So a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are, are small businesses. So, I mean, they're probably under 10 team members, including the primary founder, owner, whatever. Is that too small? I mean, you, so you're a psych major, right? I mean, you remember group dynamics, uh, you know, they talked about, you know, it changes at eight, it changes at 12 and all of that stuff. Is, is there anything that's too small that you can't really make major influence in culture? Is it better if it is small? I'm, I'm sorry, Pam, I, I don't even really know to begin with where my questions are with this because I just have far and away too many. So is that an okay question? Can you take that one and let's go from there? 
yeah when is it when should you start thinking about culture i would say when you hire your first employee or bring on the first person onto your team because especially if they're client facing so maybe if they're just behind the scenes i shouldn't say just because that is so critical but maybe it's not as critical if they are not client facing because you have a chance to tweak things before it gets to the client the first client facing person that you hire i would definitely be thinking about how can i make sure we're really aligned on where we're going and what's most important because this person their actions are going to create the experience your client is getting now and if they're making decisions based on something that is counter to the culture and the strategy that you want then that will affect your client experience in a negative way what what happens if what the the in our situation the advisor wants is wrong i mean you know uh, you know you talk about this idea of reinventing work and you yeah right out of the gate pam you were talking about how instead of being more task focused instead of time focused i mean you're you're really messing with a lot of my listeners minds how are you talking about reinventing work and how does your idea of reinventing work really impact the culture which in turn impacts the, the experience of the client yeah so when i think about reinventing work and now is like the perfect time to be thinking about reinventing work because we've all gone through this collective experience of this pandemic we're hearing about the great resignation people reevaluating their lives and work and quitting jobs and moving to the country and all of these things right there's a lot going on right now so it's a little scary but if you think of it as a great opportunity rather than the great resignation or the great reset or whatever you're hearing it's a great opportunity to start really challenging our assumptions and instead of just like adapting so I think of an example of right now companies are a lot of them are deciding they're going to work in a hybrid kind of environment some people will work remotely some people might be in the office it'll be different depending on the day the role whatever and they're also figuring out so they're figuring out how to set up the office how to have their meetings and so i would start with questions like what if we never had an office how would we have organized ourselves to get work done instead of a lot of companies are saying well we don't have those informal meetings in the hallway anymore so we have to now have all these zoom meetings and everyone i talk to is zoomed to death they are in so many meetings so instead of uh, right now the adaption is like we used to meet like this or pop by a desk to talk about things now we're going to schedule all these zoom meetings that's adapting instead go like how would i have communicated this if i could never speak to someone is there is there an effective way challenge your meetings go through your schedule and reinvent your calendar to say like top 10 bottom 10 meetings in the past two weeks and then just delete all, all the future 10 bottom 10 meetings because they were not effective so i what's the role of the office why is 40 hours the right amount of work for us in today's world where did that come from do you know uh, i was researching something and it was back in like the early 1900s they were actually looking at technological advances and saying in the future people won't be working 
40 hours anymore because techno and they were expecting like within the next couple of decades, this was back in, I think the 1910s or something. So by the fifties or sixties, we were supposed to, they thought that we would be working much fewer hours a week, but I think it's just, that's the way it always was. We, we work eight hours a day, eight hours of work, eight hours of leisure, eight hours of sleep. That's the way. Now, I don't know how many people work eight hours because we're connected to work all the time on our phones, but so no one's ever challenged that. And let's challenge it. That's, that's what I think of reinventing work. What role should work play in our lives? Why is 40 hours right? Do we need an office? Why, you know, what if we never had one? How would we operate differently? So challenge everything. One of the things that makes a great financial advisor is their attention to detail and control. And I mean, that's really, really important. If you're going to hand somebody your life savings, those are two things that you really want to pay attention to, but that doesn't necessarily make them the greatest manager or culture creator slash leader. What do you say to them? I mean, how, how, what sort of advice do you give to somebody who, who is burning through people or who realizes that the people aren't happy or I'm going to digress very quickly with the story. I worked with an advisor in the deep South. And he would walk into his office through the back door because he didn't want to actually talk to his front office lady. It's like, I just, she's, she's terrible. Uh, I don't like her. Uh, I'm, I'm actually afraid of her. Right. And I'm like, dude, this is your business, right? I mean, goodness me so gracious. Sad, yeah. now, now, mind you, there were reasons and he did some terrible, not terrible things, but didn't do the greatest things. But anyway, so, so the idea of control. That's the 40 hours that's at your desk at eight o'clock that you can't clock out until five. You have 30 minutes for lunch. And if you're over that, you're, you're bad. And I'm going to write you up. You're talking about reinventing this. And if we're going to break it down, let's just destroy the damn thing. And where do we go? If, if we were going to say, if Pam, I gave you a magic wand and you said, I'm just going to, I'm going to screw all of this, break it all down. Bam. It's done. What would it look like to you? Yeah. So I would imagine, and I have been trained in something called results only work environment, ROW for short, R-O-W-E. And this is where there are some really great strengths with that detail orientation of many financial advisors. So use that detail orientation to get really clear and detailed about the results you want to get, the outcomes that your clients need, like what that client experience should look like, and so focus though that really great strength that you have on detail and clarity on those things. And then, and th so once you're really clear on results, then you can give people the autonomy to get the results. So in a row, you have 100% autonomy and 100% accountability. But if you don't get the job done, you don't have a job. Like it's, it, it's not, no one ever talks about time. Actually in a row, they have a word for, conversations about time, which is sludge. So you're not allowed to sludge people. There's no judgment about time. If someone doesn't get their work done, you talk to them about the work, not about the time. So right now, you know, if you don't get your work done, someone's telling you, you need to put in more time or come back to the office because you're obviously not working from home. Instead go, okay, this was the result you were responsible for. Why did you not re why did you not achieve it? What got in your way of achieving that? Was it clear was it lack of clarity? Okay, here's the clarity. Was it you don't know how to do something? Okay, here's the training. 
Was it you weren't motivated? Okay, let's talk about that because that's a problem. How can you stay motivated so you get the result? So instead of managing the time, the attendance, trying to control, focus on the result and you're going to get a better result. Try it. Try a little, a little part of that. Next time someone doesn't do what you expected, instead of thinking about how you're going to control them, ask some questions about why they didn't get it and target those, those things instead of time attendance, some of the other things. Those were fantastic. Can you go through those one more time? Because uh, you went through them quickly. So, so one of them is 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 motivation. Can you go back through those row categories one more time? Okay. So, th so this is and this is this is less about row and more about just like leadership and culture and like results. But so when someone does not get their work done in in the way that was expected, you want to instead of controlling them and telling them how to and what to do. And actually, let me pause there for a second, because one of the reasons why you don't want to do this is in today's work world, we don't have every job is not mechanistic or rote, like you do the same thing every time. The person closest to the work knows the work best. So we still operate, though, as though the leader, your, your boss knows best and should make all the decisions. But guess what? Sorry, boss. You don't know everything that went on with that client interaction or why this person made the decisions they did or anything that is going on when they're doing the work. So that's why in today's world, for most jobs, it's better to be really clear about the result you want and then pe give people the autonomy to figure out how to get it best. So let me, that's kind of part of the why behind this. <laughs> okay. So what happens if they don't get the result? You, you say, hey, didn't get this result. This is what I expected. What got in the way? So it, it might be that they did, weren't clear on the result. Then clarify. Make sure that is super clear. It might be that they didn't know how. So then it's like, do you need training? Walk me through what your process was. Show me what you would think, what you, what you did along the steps. It might be that they were bored not motivated, procrastinating, that's a problem. Okay. What's getting in your way of being motivated? What can help you stay on track? Because this is what's expected. And unfortunately, if you're not meeting our expectations, that's going to be a problem. But I, nowhere in this conversation did I say, you need to come back to the office and work on the weekend or you obviously are being lazy. Like I'm not assuming anything. I don't know what happened with them. I'm asking questions. Even in HR organizations, like a lot of the advisors that we work with have outsourced HR. Right? So, so they'll, they'll, they'll bring in a company for contracts, compensation, all of those sorts of things. Pam, everything's still based off a 40 hour work week, right? Your, how much vacation that you can get, what your benefits are. You have to work there for this long in order to get access to those things. If you're reinventing, how does one reinvent that? So in a lot of what I would say reinvented organizations, there's unlimited vacation time. You just have to get your work done. And I think of this lately lately i've been thinking about this a lot because it's the summer and one of our clients they're a small web development branding company they are shutting down for the month of august 
they said, you know what? It's been a long 18 months. We're just going to shut down. Everyone is taking the month off. And if you're in Europe, that is like a no brainer. So many people are gone for a month of vacation. They don't even think twice about it. Here in North America, that is so strange to us. It's hard to even take a week away from work, let alone two or a whole month. So that's another thing to challenge. But in a row, uh, people take time off whenever they want because they're getting their work done. So I might work on a Saturday and not on a Wednesday. As long as I get the work done and my clients are getting the outcomes they want, that doesn't matter. So you take that conversation of how many years have you worked here and how many vacation time dates are you are you allotted off the table. It, it's a more human way of, of allowing people to live and work. Part of the culture that I have experienced when I was a consultant in financial services firms is there's always more work. So, so going from you, we got your work done, Pam, what happens if the work is never done? How, <laughs> how, how do we make that shift? Mm, that's a good question. So, and that is something that because, so in a regular work environment, if you got your work done early, they would notice that because you didn't put in your eight hours. So they're like, oh, you can't just be slacking off for the last three hours of your day. So here's more work. In a results-only work environment, we go, what's the result of this job? Maybe it's to service X clients, or I don't know what it, what it might be, but what's the result of this job? And let the person achieve that result. We don't even know how much time it took them. It might've taken them 60 hours a week. It might've taken them 30 hours a week. It doesn't matter. If they are getting great results and are, we are moving our strategy forward, then we're not giving them more work unless they they're saying hey i want to get involved in that project because that does happen a lot but yeah we're there isn't oh you're not putting in your 40 hours so you need more work it's like what's the value of that job and the result they're getting so when somebody says this will be my my last question because i have a feeling that you and i could i, I still have so many more questions and we're just gonna have to have you back <laughs> just to, just to warn you we're gonna have to have you back because there's so much more i want to unpack here and as we get back to normal and i'm air quoting there i think there is going to be a lot more revelations and so i definitely want to have you as a repeat guest but what happens when somebody looks you dead faced in the eye and says pam i just don't have enough time and that's why they're not getting the the project or that task specifically done do you go back then to clarity? Do they know how to do it? They're training their processes and motivation, or is there something deeper seated there? Or I don't know, help me with that. I mean, first of all, priority. And oh. I heard recently that used to be only a singular word. And somehow over time, we've made it a plural word priorities. Wow. <laughs> so think about that. So I would if someone tells me they don't have enough time, I would say chances are they are spinning their wheels a lot because when you are down on energy, you're not thinking your best. And I used to suffer from this, by the way, because work was so awesome at my first job, I got really dedicated to work. And even when work sucked, I was putting in the time and really, really busy and taking on all the projects. 
And I, so that became a habit of mine that I have had to break over the years. And I, the one thing, the first thing I would recommend is take 48 hours completely away from work. Do not even listen to your favorite podcast, Be Your Own Loud. Do not, do not read a book. Do not do anything work-related for 48 hours because your brain needs a rest. So do that first. Secondly, priority. What is your actual priority? Because chances are you're spinning your wheels in too many directions and you need to spend some time getting clear. Look at your calendar and like I, I mentioned, do, do a ranking of meetings. How important, how effective were all of your meetings over the last month or couple of weeks, depending on how many meetings you have. And then the bottom 10 go cancel these meetings or shorten them or whatever it is to free up some time and book thinking time in your calendar, because that is stopping you from, if you don't have thinking time in your calendar, if you're a leader, or a business owner, if you don't have time to think, you are never going to move forward and, and focus. I, I love the idea. And in fact, one of the things that we hear in the industry all the time, and what was a big issue during the pandemic was a lot of the business owners would, would go to conferences, which got them away from the office to do that hard reset, to really think and work on the business instead of in the business. Listening to, to what you've been saying, obviously as a business owner, I, I'm trying desperately to be reflective because, and I want work to be awesome for my people, right? I, I really, really do. And, and I think that you have to continuously ask yourself, but I think most importantly, you should probably ask the team, shouldn't you? About what makes work awesome? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I would be taking the temperature of my team and finding out. So one of the questions I love to ask is, when was the last day that you felt like work was awesome and you would have done that for free? And one of the things that I hear from people is it's the party after work or the social gathering. And it makes me kind of sad, which I like, I love social gatherings, but I want people to actually be so energized by the work that that is fun. The work actually is something that they feel like they contributed. They feel that they were really having fun doing it. They were collaborating, whatever it is that makes work fun or great for them. So yeah, I would definitely be asking my team, what's getting in the way of you doing your best work? When's the last time you had a really great day at work? What what can I do better as your leader to make sure that more days are great for you and you are getting achieving all your objectives? You, as we talked previously, can help people with this uh, and you can help them in a couple of different ways. So first off, I want everybody to know, make sure you check out the, the show notes and the podcast summary. We're going to have links so that you can connect with Pam because you have to connect with her on LinkedIn because every Friday, is that correct? Yes. You answer questions. Yeah, I go live on LinkedIn. I have a topic, but I interact a lot. It is, I'm asking questions of you if you were there. I'm answering your questions if you're in the comments. So yeah, super interactive. I love to go live on LinkedIn. 
And if somebody wants to dive a little bit more deeply, what, what are the next steps for our listeners to engage you to find out a little bit more how you can help them make work awesome? Yeah, I would say probably the best thing is to just book a 20 minute free, like no obligation, uh, culture consultation call or a reinvent work call. And I'll give you the link for that. And I will probably ask you some questions and give you some feedback and share some resources with you. So it's a great way to just get started if you're thinking about what can I do. Pam, this has been fantastic. Not only, uh, I mean, obviously my whole team's going to listen to this. You know, I think everybody needs to listen to this. For for those of you who are uh, who are business owners, have your team listen to this. Have the conversation. Use this podcast as kind of a catalyst to see where you're going to go post-pandemic, right? There has been so many things that have opened our eyes in the business world of, of norms that we don't really have to live up to anymore because they were false things in the first place, right? I mean, they, they weren't necessary. Um, productivity was pretty good. I mean, on the grand scheme of things. And you know what? I bet you people were taking naps. I bet you they took more than 30 minutes for lunch. I know. I bet you they went and walked the dog at some point, right? Maybe they had a glass of wine at 3.30 in the afternoon instead of doing it at 7 when they got home. So think about that, everybody. Here's the thing. Working with somebody like Pam will allow you to create an environment that people want to show up at. Your retention is going to be better. Their quality of work is going to go up. They're going to be happier. I mean, just think about that. How many hours did you say? 90,000 hours? 90,000 hours of our lives if we're working full time. Yeah. Yeah, screw that. You know, there was a book, like the four hour work week. You remember when that came out? It freaked everybody out. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I think it was neat because I think that really shook things up and, and made people force them to think differently. And, and that's one of the goals of this podcast, everybody. And you all know that. Not only for you to figure out how you can market more successfully as a financial services professional, but what can you implement into your office to make it so that you can spend the time doing the things that you want to do and everything that pam just talked about today is perfectly applicable for you to be able to market your financial services firm in the way that you want to to really get the right client and then the best part about it is what pam's talking about is when they do become a client they're going to love being a client of yours even more because you got happy team members who are really doing the kind of work that you've always wanted them to do so pam thank you for being a wonderful guest Thank you, Matt. This has been a great conversation. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. As you know, it's very, very easy to do that. And if you know somebody who needs to hear this, please share it like I already told you to do. Please, dear God, do that. Drop us a quick review on iTunes or any of your players. That would be great. And finally, make sure that you reach out to Pam. Follow her on LinkedIn, which will make sure the links are in the summary and the show notes. And for everybody at Blue Rebel Works and all of us here at Proudmouth, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.